When it comes to change, you really have to have in that desire to change. That's the key things. So if you don't have that emotional attachment or that desire to change, it's very hard to change. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Nini, welcome to the show. Hey, Max. Thanks for having me. Why don't we uh, start off with you introducing yourself to my audience? Okay, wonderful. Well, uh, I think first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me. My name is Nini Tolson, and my background style as a cabin crew with the three different international airlines. And then unfortunately, uh, in 2010, I had a plane accident, so that really changed my life completely. And uh, since then, after that, I started... Uh, business with my husband together uh, in terms of the coaching. So for the past 12 years, we have been, you know, uh, having this Tosin Institute, the consulting business firm and helping professional people to, you know, having more impact and, uh, you know, more influential, but of course, you know, making more money. Oh, absolutely. It's all about making more money, right? So your turning point for you in your career was you had an airplane accident in 2010. So can you tell us more about that story and how that happened? Yeah, uh, I remember was the flight from London Gatwick back to Dubai. And then I think just before landing, uh, probably 20 minutes before the landing, and then I just, you know, fall down uh, in the back alley. And just with that few seconds, I fractured my kneecap in five different places. And then, you know, through that, I went to three reconstruction surgery. So with this accident, actually left me with a permanent disability, but also the emotional pain for the next two and a half years. Uh, I lost my job. You know, and I experienced close to three time miscarriage. And uh, after all that, I decided to went back to Taiwan to rebuild my life. And I really working on reinventing myself in both personally and professionally with the new skills. I think the big moment for me was realizing that I don't want to stay stuck in the past. So then, you know, together with my husband, we decided to start a business in Australia. Uh, it was it was tough at the first, but, you know, we keep going. And I think by 2021, we reach a milestone, you know, we're making a seven-figure income in multiple markets. So I think this journey showed that, you know, even though the, the tough time, you still can make a new and successful path for yourself. Yeah. And um, going back to the accident, you've been working in the airline industry multiple years before that accident. And then when you had that accident, that was a big change for you because now you're like, that's all you knew. And I'm assuming that you were lost in terms of like what the next step is. And you also had to like recover and had surgeries. And as you mentioned, you all had a few miscarriages along the way. So that was, that's obviously a lot to take in, in terms of like adapting to a new life. So how did you get your mindset in the direction that helped you get to this goal of building the Tolson Institute? I think uh, I was really lucky back then that actually surround me. I have a very supportive leaders around me. You know, uh, the company sent me to the best psychologist in Dubai, but I also have a very good manager. But also my husband was my boyfriend back then, you know, like he's very supportive. So I think to me, because through that time, I actually experienced PTSD. And then I realized that if I keep relying on those medication, but if me personally didn't do anything, any change. I'm still the same person. 
So that is the point. Actually, you know, when I see there are so many people surrounding me being so supportive, I feel I also need to do something for myself. So I think that is really the, you know, the turning point. But also, like I mentioned before, when I close to that three time of miscarriage, I think that is also a sign for me. It's like, hey, Nini, you need to, you know, now you having a different role, you're going to become a mother, you need to do something different. So I think that's kind of that moment, big moment for me as well. One of the things you mentioned is your support network. Uh, your boyfriend yes. at the time, right? It gave you a yeah. lot of the support to help you uh, overcome those uh, hurdles. Uh, so for yeah. someone who's looking to make a change in their life or career, uh, how do people find those people that they can rely on? Because a good example is if you're looking to start a business, uh, your friends might not be the most supportive. They might give you criticism. Oh, why are you doing this? Be happy with your job, like family as well. They want you to take the safe path. Uh, so if you do have to build a support network from scratch because your current network will not support you on your endeavors, what is your advice to help them find the right-minded people? I think, first of all, uh, I think that's where usually our clients looking for us is because as a coach, you know, we actually creating that safe environment, but also unconditional positive regard to support those people. Like you say, you know, with a lot of clients who come to us, they probably in that transition, in the job transition, they probably want to do something to chasing their dream. You know, you know, they have a wish and hope, but, you know, like family or friends, like, are you serious? Like, why you want to do this? All the things. And sometimes with those negativity, it's not easy because the environment is hard to change. So the only thing that you can do is change how you think. And I think through the journey itself, you really need somebody there to to 100% to support you. So that's why we always uh, also encourage people, you know, if you really don't have somebody there to support you, found a mentor, found a coach who can really support you because we all know that all champion all have a coach. That's where I coach for to 100% support them. In terms of uh, like going from the airline industry as part of a cabin crew into entrepreneurship, what were some of those transferable skills in the airline industry that you're able to use to pivot into entrepreneurship and make it a success? Okay. I think, you know, um, living in Dubai was really wonderful. Uh, you know, I have been able to meeting people from different culture, especially in the Muslim country was really valuable. So I think my time as a cabin crew member interacting with people from 126 countries really changed how I understand emotion, but also taught me crucial skill for connecting with others. And this skill has been really beneficial for my business journey because when we talk about the emotional intelligence, you know, one of the things recognizing other people's emotional makeup, but also building a relationship, you know, like leadership, those skills are really the key. So I think with a background with three international airlines, those experience really helped me to shape my character in a very unique way. It's easy, very easy for me to, you know, even on a call or on a Zoom, you know, with people, I can very easily to start a conversation. So, and that's some of the things that I also see in my clients when they struggle, when they want to start a business because they don't know how to interact with people. But, you know, as a human being, we always interact. We always need to say something. So those are the skills. I think it's really beneficial for my business journey, make my business journey much easier. What is your advice for people having like a global footprint uh, in terms of like making a good impression with people that they've never met before from another country? Like what's your advice to ensure that they are giving the good first impression for people in another country that they're not accustomed to? 
I think first of all, uh, very important is that the first sale is you. So by that means is that you have to present yourself really well. You know, uh, we all know that you only have four seconds to make the first impression and people decide if they want to do the business with you or not. So I believe that your customer have to see you has the best choice in the marketplace, you know, with the authority, but also your expertise. And I believe do that, you will have people lining up to buy from you. We're in the global marketplace, very competitive. I'm assuming your business has clients from multiple countries. What do you recommend in terms of uh, someone uh, in business trying to stand out from their competition? Do, uh, do you mean that for their personal branding? Is that what you... Yeah, personal branding or like their business, right? I think just like I said before, uh, you know, the first sale is you. You have to really presenting yourself well because uh, I know nowadays people doing those marketing or, you know... Um, funnels or even you know your profile you really have to be good what you really do so i think the first thing really have to set you apart from your competition is that you really need to know your strength and your talents and also your expertise that is the very important because you really need to know what you're talking about when you can set yourself apart from your competition, which is your expertise was really good. Nobody can replace you. That's where you really, really stand out. So for your business, did you start off with one country and then you expanded? Yes. At the beginning, uh, like I mentioned, we start in Australia. And then for the past decade, we actually partnered with a lot of event organizers. So for us, we actually impact at least 20,000 professionals around the world. We start an online event in Taiwan, but also the live events across Australia, the UK, USA, but also Malaysia. So, you know, during the COVID, that period, you know, pandemic, that we actually do a lot of big online event, like an online summit. So for both me and my husband, we train a lot of people. Sometimes in one summit, we can up to 500 or up to 5,000 people. So those how we do you know, our business and then through the pandemic actually reach across the global. So when you started your business in Australia, when did you know it was time to expand to other markets? I think is that, you know, the, the actually the market will tell you. I think when we start in uh, Australia for a few months, I think we moved back probably about 2013. Uh, at the beginning, we had some challenge. And then, you know, me and my husband, we start doing some door knocking. And then we, we actually got very lucky. We get some very good business, you know, coaching clients just through the door knocking. And then after that, uh, for about eight months, we're doing really, really, really well, close to a half million income. But then all of a sudden, the economy hit the Australia, everything just stopped, you know, people not buying and we couldn't afford a very expensive rent. And then just, we just couldn't find any clients for all of a sudden. And then, so that's the time that we actually decided to, okay, we move back to Taiwan and then we start a different strategy. We start, you know, reaching out some influential people, like I mentioned, event organizer. Uh, we do a lot of travel to, you know, visit different clients. And then one of the things really helping us is a referral network. That's really helping our business. And through the referral network, we actually tap into a different country. This is how we open the UK market, but also Malaysian market as well. Yeah, you, I was you discussed a bit earlier about like building your personal brand and sharing your expertise. Like if you become really good and well-known, your referral network could be a good portion of your business. Yes, yes. You can imagine like as a coaching business itself, it actually, you probably have to spend about minimum of $2,000 to require one 
coaching customers. However, with a very strong referral network, we actually can bring down our cost very, very minimum because with a referral actually is a zero cost. So that's how our business got really successful because a lot of our clients have very good results from us and they always refer us to their friend, their family or their colleague. So as you already mentioned, you had some challenges in Australia. People weren't signing up to be your clients. Another uh, issue, as you know, a couple of years ago, uh, COVID happened and uh, the whole world shut down. Uh, during this time, a lot of businesses end up failing or getting by by the skin of their teeth. But how were you able to weather the storm and also thrive uh, during those times? I think in the challenging time, like a COVID crisis, I found that staying flexible and adaptable make a very big, big difference. I think uh, my business not just only survive, but also thrive by, I think the one thing very important was embracing the change and exploring the new opportunity. Uh, like I mentioned, especially for the past three years, we really opened a Malaysian market. And I think the combination of the emotional intelligence with those skills, but also the discipline, I think uh, play a very vital role in overcoming those obstacles and experiencing a significant growth. And speaking of significant growth, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you have now a multiple seven-figure business. What were some of the strategies and principles that you implemented to get to that seven-figure? Because of some of my listeners could be at the six-figure threshold uh, and they don't know what they need to do to break out of that six figure to seven figures that there is some of those roadblocks so what was your change from being able to do six figures annually to seven figures okay i think personally in my point of view i definitely believe that emotionally intelligent was important for our business success because I believe that it's about understanding and handling emotion for myself, but also the others, which help me to deal with the different business situations, but also building the strong relationship. Here are the three big ideas that really helped me to grow my business a lot. I think the first thing is what we call the empathy in leaders. What that means is that being kind as a leader, understanding you know, my team, but also the business partner how they feel really helped me to lead with kindness because that make the working environment more positive, but also for the team to work well better. So increase the productivity. Also, I think effective communications because about 85% of any relationship problem come from the miscommunication. Also, you know, if you want to grow your business, but a lot of business owner found a challenge to communicate with the team. So the emotional intelligence, you know, helped me to talk more clearly but that also means that I could connect better with my clients, with the business partner, but also my team. So making us work together better and keeping the clients happy. The third part, I think, is being strong and flexible. I think business is like a mental game. The business world always change and the emotional intelligence, I think, helped me to stay strong with things get tough. I learned how to adjust to the new situation, but also make the smart decision when things get hard. And, you know, so you can stay positive all the way because the research showed that the one negative emotion can impact your performance up to four hours and you will need five positive emotion to cancel that one out. So I think emotional intelligence was really the big part of my business growth so much because I'm using this in so many different fields in leading, in talking, staying strong, but also building a relationship, motivating the team also focusing on the customers. But the most importantly is that making the decision. So for me, I can build a strong space for my business to keep moving forward. 
In terms of uh, adaptability, as you mentioned, how can one constantly evolve and be innovative to ensure that they stay ahead of the curve and maintain their current business? Because we've seen a lot of examples in business history where companies are super successful and they don't want to make a change because they don't see a need to, and then they end up getting destroyed with new technology. So what is your advice in terms of always keeping the pulse on the market in terms of its current and future state? And what are your recommendations to stay ahead of the curve? I think one of the things I see a lot in not just individual, but also with the business people is that they're having that fear of the failure. So which is, you know, many people worry about failing. It can be the past, they having some past experience, you know, they make the mistake. And I also see that quite a lot, especially in the Asian culture is that we don't like to make mistakes. You know, we feel like we're losing face. So that fear of the failure or fear of the making mistake is actually really like a break, like holding those people wants to moving forward and then actually make them less confidence. So they hesitate to take risks and need it for success. So I think one of the things is that for those people or, you know, they thinking about wanting to change, one of the things is that they really have to remove or eliminate some of those potential fear that, you know, inherent in them. Because only then, because what we say is that our subconscious is 95%, you know, control what we do, you know, how we want to take in the actions. The conscious only 5%. So even though right now, maybe we're talking right now, you know you want to do certain things, but unconsciously, if you're having that fear, it actually will stop you from taking more action. So my advice is if you're aware of that, which is, I think, you know, the first thing is actually you having, you need to having that self-awareness. So if you're having that self-awareness, then you can find the right cure to fix that. And then only then you will be able to moving forward. It's like you need to reprogram your mind. So what is your advice in terms of reprogramming your mind? Because as a child, you have all these habits. And then as you get older, it's hard to change those types of habits and those mindsets. So what is your like recommendation to slowly transition your mind to be more positive and proactive? That's what we do is that we're using the latest AI voice recognition technology to helping our customers to identify their possible uh, weakness, but also, you know, help them to unblock more of those their potential. So just in 90 seconds voice recording, we will be able to find out, you know, some of the potential that has been happening in their subconscious level, because only then we will be able to create a plan to help them to also start creating the positive mindset, but also creating a new habit and behavior so they can be able to on that journey to the success in the whole area of their life. So that's, we are helping our customers doing it. We also have a lot of uh, customer come to us uh, in that job career transition. You know, a lot of people feel lost. They don't really know what they're good at, what they should do for their job. So this is also the, this AI technology that we're helping our customers to find out their inner potential so they can, you know, really go for their dream. You mentioned earlier, uh, this is more prevalent in Asian culture about like perfectionism and not making any mistakes. I have that too, to a certain extent, but that ended up being like analysis paralysis where you don't want to make the mistake, but then you end up not doing anything about it. So what are some steps that you recommend in terms of like helping overcome that perfectionism and being okay to make mistakes? 
I think first thing very important is set up a realistic expectation for yourself. Uh, I think as a professionalist, you always want to, you know, reach for the best. And then sometimes it's all because you didn't set up the realistic expectation for yourself. So, for example, one of the game we like to play with our children, my daughter, she's very competitive. She always wants to win. And she's she she's just like a professionist, you know. And then we know that when she didn't get a grade that she wanted, she feel very upset. So one of the game we play with her is that, uh, for example, we will say Nakita, what is the goal you would like to achieve for this year? And then she will say, Oh, I want you know my grade every subject the average you know can be up to ninety eight. Or you know she will say, Oh, I want everything's be hundred. But we all know that that is impossible. So we don't want to set up for the failure. So, you know, after the discussion was like, what is more realistically for you to achieving your grade? And then she think about it. She said, well, I think everything above 90% is good for me. So now she knows that, you know, what you need to do, you need to set up the plan to be able to achieve that. So now for her, every semester, she can reach her score up to 90%. But you know what we say to her? Sometimes she come home, she will say, oh, mommy, I got my math for 95%. And I would say, so how much mommy and daddy love you? 100%. So for her, even though she didn't get 100, she know we always love her 100%. So I think one thing for a people who was that uh, professionist is really important to set up realistic expectation for yourself, but also remember success is a long-term journey. So incremental improvement, that is the key. So for you, if you want to reach certain goal, you know, can be how much money you want to earn. But if you have a massive gap, you need to think in how you're going to close that gap. So that incremental improvement is important. So um, I used to act like that, you know, everything wants to be perfect. And then at the end of the day, I give myself a lot of stress. So then I know I need to save up realistic expectation for myself, but also that incremental improvement. So those two are the key. Speaking of uh, finances, as a confidence coach, you specialize in clarity, confidence, and cash flow. Uh, so what are some uh, initial principles or strategies you can provide to help people improve their confidence and their financial situation? Well, I think first of all is that you need to require your self-awareness, but also the thoughtful planning. I think to start with really getting that clarity about your identity is crucial. So you need to focus in on recognizing your strength and the talents. So like I mentioned with our latest the voice recognition AI technology, we assist our client in discovering their inner strength in just 90 seconds. And the second step is that very essential to enhance your strength. So making your invaluable in your field, you know, when you have that exceptional skill that really set you apart from your competition and building confidence further, that really involves your continuous skill development. I believe that competence creates confidence. So the more you learn and excel, the more confident you can be. And with these fundamental steps in place, the third key is to, like I mentioned, the set realistic goal with an achievable plan to enhance your financial reward. I always emphasize that importance of incremental improvement with my clients because I believe those are you know, the key to the long-term success. So you really need to know who you are, what you're good at, and make your strength so good that nobody can replace you. 
and then using that talents and the strength to make that money. So those are the three important steps. You mentioned a couple of times about realistic goals. Like, what would be considered a realistic goal, right? You, you don't want to aim too low, then it's easily passable, but you don't want to be aim it so high that it starts to frustrate you because you're not nowhere close to that goal. So what is your recommendation in creating realistic goals that are challenging, but also achievable? I give you one of the example. Uh, when I'm doing a lot of online training, uh, one of the questions or one of the things I heard a lot from the student is they will say, oh, Nini, I want to have a financial freedom. I want to make million dollars. And then I was like, okay, good. And then I'll ask them, what is the most amount of the salary or the income you have made? They can say 5,000 US dollars, 10,000. I say, okay, so the most you can have earned was $10,000 and you want to earn millions of dollars. So there's a massive gap there. So I said, next question. So who do you have to become be able to make that money? That is the real question that people have to think about. It's because they're thinking about making money or having success just like that, but it's not. It's about who you're going to become in between. And with those experience, it's going to help you to reach that goal. So sometimes I will say to them, I don't want to say this, but I think you're probably just dreaming. It's good to be dream. Everything starts with a dream. But that's why I said at the beginning, you know, change can be hard. Change is not easy sometimes. And my job is wants to make the change easy for my clients. So through that, setting up the realistic goal. So if that's the case, this person, the most amount that he has made was $10,000. Then the realistic goal can be, what is your three-month goal? For example, be able, do you think you can increase another $5,000? Yeah, that's probably possible. Just like when you're losing weight, which one is easier? If you lose, you know, 10 kilo in one week or 10 kilo in three months, it's the same. So by setting that, he can say, okay, now I know that I need to set my goals for the three months is that I need to increase to another 5,000. So because by doing that, that will increase their confidence. So if you say your goal way too big, you know it's impossible. It can be possible maybe if you win the lottery, but we know it's a lot of work to, to achieving that. So that is how you set a realistic goal. So you always need to uh, identify the gap first. Then you can set a realistic goal. You said change is hard, right? And you try to make change easy for people. What are some recommendations to like make the change easy for people? And and the other thing is to stick with the change. Because anybody, for example, a popular example at this time of year is getting fit, right? We, we talk about weight loss. Uh, anybody can go to the gym for like a couple of weeks straight, but then doing it for a few years consistently, that's a whole different challenge. So what's your recommendation to not only implement the change, but do it for the long term where there starts to be diminishing returns because initially you'll see some exponential growth right away because you're doing something new, but then the returns start getting less and less because you've started to get accustomed to the new habit. So how do you like keep going to build up those incremental wins to get that big result? I think one of the things very important is when it comes to change, you really have to have in that desire to change. That's the key things. So if you don't have that emotional attachment or that desire to change, it's very hard to change. Does that make sense? You need to want to change. You need to having that desire to want to change. And when you're having that desire to change, then you need to make a decisions to make that change. 
And the other thing I want to mention that you already talked about is about like the million dollars, right? It's not what strategies or tactics that you need to do to get the million dollars is who do you have to become? A lot of people are reaching out to like coaches or experts to get that silver bullet, but it's not the silver bullet that they're supposed to be looking for is about who you have to become to get to that level. So in terms of like self-reflection, how can people figure out what type of person they need to be in order to hit those certain milestones? I think, you know, like we said, who we are or, you know, the characteristic that already inhibit in use it through our lifetime childhood all the way till now. So we cannot see those potential, right? I cannot see how you feel. You probably know we have those anger, sadness, fear, they have all these emotions, but we cannot see. So it's invisible. A thing I always hear is that people will tell me, Nini, I know I have something there inside of me. I know I have more potential. So that's why we, you know, using the technology to help our clients to find out those inner potential of themselves. Because through this technology, we can even know their Enneagram, which is, you know, each personality type. Even when you mentioned about being a perfectionist, that is the Enneagram type A as a perfectionist. You definitely have some very good strength as a perfectionist, but also having some weakness. But the point is, how can we using the strength as a perfectionist to moving forward to become even the better version of yourself? So this is really, for me, when I'm doing the coaching, I'm not doing just on the conscious level, because like I mentioned, conscious level only 5%. What I'm really working on is subconscious level. So you really have to reprogram your subconscious mind, your belief, your value into a totally different person. And then in between, you start creating a new habit because it's our thought to create the feeling and it's our feeling to determine if we want to take the action or not. So you always have to upgrade here, then you'll be able to upgrade your actions. And once your action in place, this will having that long-term change installing you. I hope this makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, it starts with the mind before you can take proper action. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I can share one of the success story with you, you know, uh, one of my clients, she actually from Canada, but she's Malaysian. So she lived in Canada, um, you know, moved there with the sister. For her, her parents always want her to do the old way, you know, go and find a job nine to five, you know, have a secure job. But for her, she always want to be a trader. She want to do investment. However, she found out that she actually have a lot of life fear because how she grew up is, you know, parents are like, you know, doing those is like a gamble. It's very tricky. You need to be careful. You're going to lose a lot of money. But she knows she has some talents there. She actually can make this work. So once we're using the technology to discover some of the painful memory hidden in her brain, which is called some of insecurity about herself, but also that fear of the making mistake, when she overcome that, when she started investing with $10,000 and in 90 days, she has doubled back to 20000 But this is all about the mindset because she fearing or worrying when she placing the order when she's doing those trading. So it's all in here. That's how, you know, the transformation that I see in her, but she also feel much happier because, you know, 61% of the adult population experiencing anxiety. And she said to me, she used to feel so anxious, even when she's thinking about turn on the computer, have to looking at all those graphs. But now when the mindset is different, 
she actually, when she, you know, turning on the computer is a different set of the emotion. It's actually the excitement. You know, she's thinking like, when I do the right analysis, making the right decisions, and the cash flow will come. You've mentioned uh, a few times already about using um, AI tools, right? AI has been at the forefront in the past like couple of years, especially with ChatGPT released uh, earlier this year. How did you know that it was time to incorporate AI into your business? Because there's still a lot of uh, issues or errors that AI still makes. But how did you find out that AI is the next move in terms of evolving your business for the new uh, era? I think as our clients, what they're really looking for is the excitement, the you know very attractive technology. With our coaching business at the beginning, we're also using a lot of different scientific uh, assessment to help our clients to understand them better, know themselves better. But one of the challenge it can be is that as a human being, we all have bias in ourselves. Is that correct? You know, when we do the exam, we always want to make sure we get a good grade, you know, even though they're asking that question, I know that I should choose that one, but because I want to look good, I choose another answer. So this is the, a little bit challenge that we see, it, you know, happen sometime in the um, paper-based or online-based assessment is that it can have a little bit bias in you so that, you know, won't create a hundred percent accuracy. So this is how we start involved with the, you know, the AI technology. And, you know, for the past few years, we've been, you know, uh, using with this technology, helping, you know, thousands of people through this technology and the accuracy was really, really good. It's up to 99% because with the voice recording, you cannot deny your voice, right? You do the recording. I didn't do it for you. So this is the thing that didn't have the bias there. So that increased uh, the credibility, but also increased the accuracy of the assessment. So again, one of the things that you've already mentioned is the AI. And for someone who's listening right now, that's an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, as you know, with technology such as AI, the business landscape is always changing. So what advice can you give aspiring entrepreneurs listening to you right now who are looking to build and grow a business? I think first the thing is that the first pillar of the emotional intelligence, what we call is a self-awareness. So you really have to know who you really are. You need to know what you're really good at, what you are not good at. So if you have a certain goal you want to achieve, like I say, what kind of personality trait or even the skill you need to have or who do you need to become to achieving that? Because entrepreneurship is actually, uh, how should I say, it's like a roller coaster. You encounter different situations every day. Sometimes you have to add like this. Sometimes you need to add like that. So it's actually require a lot of flexibility. So, but if you are type of a person that actually doesn't like to being this flexible, uh, when we're talking about in the different science, like a disc, you know, some people with an S and C, usually they like to, in their comfort zone, they, they, they're really comfortable, you know, who they really are. People can do the job 10 or 20 years. But if those people, they want to start their entrepreneurship, they need to do a lot of adoptions. You know, they need to be very flexible because they have to turn their personality in a total different direction in order to make the business work and successful. So I think the most important thing is you really need to know who you really are. You know, what's your strength? What's your weakness? You know, who do you have to become? But also focusing on once you know that, you can set up the plan to walking towards that. And I think secondly, very important is that you really have to have the right mindset, as we said 
mindset is everything that you do. When you have a right mindset, nothing can stop you. So those are the two important criteria. When you're working with like uh, multiple like, individuals over the years, I'm assuming you have worked with people that have a nine to five and they're trying to transition into entrepreneurship. What are some of the common challenges that a person had that is used to the nine to five and they're looking to go to entrepreneurship? Whether it's like mindset challenges or challenges with their strategy, what are some of the common things that they find difficult when trying to make that transition? I think a very famous speaker, Carnegie, used to say, you know, the Carnegie Triangle. We're talking about, you know, you have the skill, you had the knowledge, but the most important is the attitude. That's how you become successful. So what I see, you know, uh, even in the individual, but in the business, you know, what I really see, there's a few things. First is lack of the self-awareness. Like I mentioned, you know, they don't really know who they are. They can do a job for 10 or 20 years, but at the end of the day, when I'm having a conversation, they will say, well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this. I have no passion. But my mom said to me, my dad said to me, I need to do this because I'm the head of the house. They lost the life purpose. So lack of self-awareness. Also, secondly, the fear of the failure. You know, many people worry about failing. That is one of the killer for the success. If you want to become the entrepreneurs, because as an entrepreneur, you know, you need to try so many different things to make the business work. And sometimes it's not working. So you have to having that ability to, okay, when you fail. Uh, thirdly is that what I see is people underestimating the emotional intelligence. 95% um, of the adult population, they claim they're emotionally intelligent, but only 10 to 15% adult population do. Because when your emotional intelligence is not active, it actually affects your leadership, your communication, and building a good relationship. And we all know if you want to have a successful business, those are very, very important. It's about how you connect with people. And number four, I think the challenge is that, you know, the resistance to change, as I mentioned before, because people might stuck in the comfort zone, you know, they want to change, but at the same time, that fear of being changed, you know, resistant to change. Those are the four major challenges that I see in my clients a lot, you know, preventing them from being, you know, having that success they want in their life. To segue into the Tolson Institute, can you tell us more about what the Tolson Institute is and how it works and how you help individuals and uh, companies? Our company itself has, you know, we partner with a lot of event organizers. So we want to make more impact. Our goal for me personally, but also professionally, is that we, we want to impact a million of professionals. You know, so we want to help those people to overcome, you know, what we say, the mental challenges, you know, the mental blockages. So they will be able to free to achieving their dream, their goal and become more financial freedom. And also the most important thing is become more confident in themselves because confidence is everything that you do in life. So this is what we helping with our customers. And we also helping uh, some of the business to grow their team. So this is also what we're doing as well. So. So we do some online event, but we also do live events. So this is how we do. My coaching experience is about close to 12 years. Uh, my husband, he's about 28 years. So we're actually in this field for quite a long time already. And to wrap up our conversation today, how can people reach out to you or your husband in terms of like being interested in working with you to improve their mindset or be more successful with their business? Firstly, you can uh, check our website, ninitosin.com. Uh, my husband, Daniel 
at danieltosen.com or you can just type our name Nini Tosen on Facebook it will pop out and this is how we connect with our customers because uh, usually like I mentioned you know we do have a lot of referrals from our customers so usually people can reach out to us through this but also if your audience are interested to improving themselves to wants to become the better version of themselves they're always welcome to reach out to me via the email nini and ninitosen.com Sounds good. Again, I really enjoyed the conversation, Nini, and best of luck in the new year. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.